Let's pray together once again. Great God in heaven, thank you for the way that you have been worshipped already this morning. The tithes and offerings that have been given. The songs that have been sung in your worship and in your praise. Thank you for this choir and the way that Jason leads them. Thank you for Jason. God, we are here today because of you and for you. And Lord, we ask now that as we turn our hearts and our attentions to your holy word, that you would speak in spite of a foolish servant. That, Lord, your words would go forth and that mine would be stopped. That, God, you would use your word as the living and acting sword that it is to cut us and pierce us, to convict us, Lord, and challenge us, but also, Father, to encourage us and comfort us. Father, I know that I am not able. I know that I am not worthy. So we ask now that you would speak as we, your children, humbly listen and respond by the power of your Spirit. We ask all these things in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you have a Bible, I invite you to take it with me this morning and turn briefly to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We'll be reading Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 4. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, as we continue in our sermon series walking through the book of Hebrews. Last week we looked at the hall of fame of faithful believers. This week we turn our attention to the first four verses of chapter 12. If you have found your place, and if you are physically able, I would invite you to please stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's holy word. When we finish reading this word, I will say that this is the word of the Lord, and I would ask for you to respond by saying, thanks be to God. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted To the point of shedding your blood. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Somehow or another we are supposed to understand that there is a great cloud of witnesses that surround us. These great cloud of witnesses, these people that surround us that are viewing us somehow understand what is going on in this world. Those who have gone on before us are our witnesses. Their life is a witness, and they also are witnesses of our lives. This is used in a double meaning, that the great cloud of witnesses have lives that witness to us, and they are also witnessing us and the way that we live. 
Those that are being talked about as that great cloud of witnesses are the ones listed in Hebrews 11. When you hit Hebrews 12:1, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, when you see a therefore in scripture, you got to wonder, what is it there for? I know it's corny, but it just works. Every time you hit one, ask, what is it there for? And you see, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, but who's it talking about? Maybe you were not here with us last week. Look with me if you still have your Bibles open. Back in verse 32 of chapter 11. Back in verse 32 of chapter 11. This is where we left off for our sunrise service this morning. These who have been faithful. Beginning in verse 32, the word of the Lord says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms. Enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. These are the ones who surround us as the great cloud of witnesses. So firstly, their lives are a witness to us. If you wonder if this faith is real, just like we talked about this morning, we talked through in sunrise service seven proofs that the resurrection of Christ is real and factual. But one of the most compelling reasons are these witnesses. Their faithful lives are a witness to us because they had a chance to recant. They had a chance to turn back. They had a chance to say, no, 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 no. All right, you're going to cut me in half. You know what? I've thought about it, and maybe Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Maybe wrong. They had a chance to say that and didn't. They had every opportunity to save their mortal life, but chose to be executed because the life to come is better. And so they are the example, the forerunners that go before us, a hall of fame of faithful believers who verify that the the resurrection, the evidence is true because they would have turned back if it were not. And now those who had that same commitment are the cloud of witnesses surrounding us and urging us onward. You know, when we come to Easter, we are reminded because of Christ's death, because of his burial, because of his resurrection, if we have faith, we have entered into the race that we must run with endurance. And I wonder how many of us here this morning can say honestly of ourselves, we are running with endurance. That we are enduring in this fight for the Lord. That we are enduring in faith. There are those who have died for this faith. Do you and I have the same commitment? Listen, even if you want to go as basic as enduring a church service, how many of us are here today and you don't endure church services at any other time of the year? 
Is that the kind of faith that will preserve our lives and deliver us to heaven eternally? The kind of commitment and endurance that we see in Hebrews chapter 11. Christ gave his life for us that we might live for him. That we might be changed by a faith, by the grace of God in our lives and faith in that grace to change us and cause us to live differently, cause us to be willing to go to the far ends of the earth to put ourselves in front of danger that someone else might hear and know of the glory of God. Are we living that kind of faith or are we comfortable? There's a difference in running with endurance and jogging to look good. Now let me just assure you of something. I don't look good jogging. Alright? So there's no such thing as jogging to look good for me. When I jog, it looks something along these lines. I'm moving about this fast, too. I've learned that if you move your arms and upper body quicker, it looks like you're going faster than you are. So you can use this if you're ever, like, stopped and somebody's letting you cross the street. Move your arms a little bit. They'll think you're hurrying and being polite. That's me on a jog. I got asthma, okay? Cut me some slack. That's not running with endurance. You know, it's odd when you run. If you run with certain crowds, their speed dictates how well you feel about how you're running, right? Like if you're running the Boston Marathon and everybody finishes in a record time and you finish at the end of the day. But you know, if you finish at the end of the day and there were like a hundred other people that finished at the end of the day with you, you're like, hey, I'm not doing so bad. Look, we're all doing, we finished, all right. We're the, we finished the Boston Marathon. And then the people that are up front, they're up front going, hey, we're going pretty fast. Look, all of us together, look at them back there. They just barely finished the race. We finished it in record time. Who you're running with, who is running around you dictates how fast or how well or how much you're enduring in the race. We had a former church member who just participated in the Boston Marathon. She ran with endurance. She completed the race. She did a great job. But whether or not she did a great job was determined by how fast everybody else ran and how fast people throughout history have run the Boston Marathon. If you're a swimmer and you go to the Olympics, you can set a new record because they keep track of how fast the people swam before you came and swam in our Christian faith. There's a record in Hebrews 11 of how fast the saints of old were swimming. There's a record of how fast the saints of old were running. There's a record of how they persevered. There's a record of their endurance. And I wonder this morning, how do you and I measure up to the way that they ran? Yes, Christ is arisen. Christ is alive. The tomb was empty. What are you going to do about it? You're going to sit here on a Sunday, enjoy one service, maybe come back at Christmas, maybe come back again next year, live in a culture where it's acceptable to show up every so often and use some Christian jargon, but not live a life of faith? Is that how you'll respond? Is that how I'll respond? Or will we see the resurrection of Jesus and be sold out? One of the songs that they sang, we've used this over and over. It might become cliche, but it's still true. Do we surrender all to Jesus or just some? Are we just trotting along or are we running with 
endurance. The writer of Hebrews knows the audience he is writing to says, you hadn't been running so hard that you sweat blood. You haven't been running so hard. You haven't been working so hard. You haven't struggled so ferociously that you come to the point of shedding your own blood. And sadly, I believe that applies to many of us today. This very morning in Sri Lanka, there were 200 people that were killed by bombers. All they did was get up and go to church. But getting up and going to church in that context means putting your life on the line. Folks, how many of us here? It's not a struggle. We're not in danger. We don't really have to worry about somebody blowing our church up. We live in the United States, and there might be wackos in some places around the world, but relatively, we don't have a whole lot to fear, right? And we still don't attend church as faithfully as our brothers and sisters who recently died in a foreign country because they were going to go to church and gather together in the assembly regardless of what it cost them. They belong in the hall of fame of faith. How many of us are willing to put ourselves in harm's way because Jesus was willing to put himself in harm's way for us? It does not matter what happens to us in this life because we have hope of a life that is better. And the people in Hebrews 11 understood that. And so many times in my life, I am lulled into a dull stupor where I forget that that is the point of it all. If I die in the morning, to die is gain. Do I live for Christ now so that when my life is finished, dying will be gain? Listen, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. There wasn't a single one of them that just said, oh, you just say a little prayer, okay? You come down the aisle one time, say a little prayer, and then you get dunked in the tank, and then after you get dunked in the tank, the preacher's going to say some nice stuff about you, but you ain't never got to show up again. You ain't never really got to share your faith with nobody. You ain't never really got to do nothing after that. That's it. You're done. That's the finish line. You're dead. Folks, let me show you the starting line. It's that pool up there. Once you've professed and been joined with Christ in burial and resurrection, now your fate begins. So since the starting line, have you been running? Since my starting line, have I been running? That's what I've had to wrestle with all week long. That I've been running this race for 27 years. How am I enduring? How long have you been running the race? How well are you enduring? How hard are you running? Maybe this morning you're one of the ones that hasn't yet started the race. You haven't set up at the starting line. Can I just beg you this morning, can I just plead with you for just a minute? Why not? What do you have to lose? You have everything to gain by trusting in Christ. And if you need more evidence, we can read the rest of Hebrews chapter 11, and you can see all the way back to Adam and Eve's son, 
able, the results of a faithful life dedicated to Christ and the reward that waits those who are faithful to him and live for him. I've got evidence upon evidence upon evidence that you should trust in Jesus. So this morning, if you're sitting there and you've just been going through the motions, or maybe you're sitting there and you've never heard this great news that there can be life for you after death, but only through Jesus. I ask this morning, what are you waiting for? Trust in Jesus. He is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. And no man goes to the Father in heaven except through Christ the Son. Would you join us in this race? Would you run with us for Christ? Because as we faithfully endure, we need more witnesses cheering us on. Where will you stand this morning? Let's pray. God in heaven, please forgive us where we fail you. Father, forgive us. Lord, forgive me when I I don't run as I ought. When I'm distracted by the comforts and conveniences of this world and I do not run the race with endurance. Lord, please forgive us. God, thank You for dying on the cross for our sins. And more importantly, thank You for coming to life again. If You had stayed dead, Lord, we would have no hope of life. But because You live, we know that we can live if we will trust You and follow. Lord, this morning, we need help. Cause us to run for You. Cause us to be inspired by the cloud of witnesses that surround us. Cause us, Father, to run with endurance. And Lord, if there is anyone here in this room that does not trust in You already, that has not begun this race, I pray, Father, and beg that You would draw them unto Yourself that they might have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that understands. Lord, that this would not just be some other Easter Sunday, but God, we would change our hearts and commit to You to go where You call, to do what You ask, whatever that means and whatever the cost. God, help us to surrender all to You and run this race with endurance. God, we beg these things of You and pray them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, if you would please stand. We're going to have a time for invitation and response. If the Holy Spirit has moved on your heart and you want to come and pray, come and pray. If you want us to pray with you, you come down, we'll pray with you. If you want to join the church, you can come and ask to join the church. If you want to come and accept Christ for the first time, I'd love to tell you more about Him. But as we sing, you respond to the Holy Spirit. Well
Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for coming and worshiping. When you worship in spirit and in truth, you add something to this assembly that no one else can add. So thank you for being here. Let me offer one final prayer for us, and then Jason will close us out and dismiss us with the doxology. Would you please bow with me? Lord Jesus, would you please bless Bethany Baptist Church? Would you please keep us And make your face to shine upon us. Would you lift your countenance upon us and grant us your favor, your grace, and your peace. It's in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Let's sing as we're dismissed. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God.